Hi, Georgia. Hi, first things first, how are you? Uh, very well, thank you. Yes, nice to be here in the Netherlands. And um, yeah, just really excited for people to hear the new songs. And... Yeah, you've been busy. You have a new album ready, which uh, will be coming out in a couple of months. Um, before we get into the album, I'd like to jump back just a little bit. Now, the past few years have been very, very interesting and crazy for, for a lot of people in, in the music business. For you, who's always been somebody who's kind of isolated herself in a room, writing music, creating all that, what was it like experiencing kind of a, a forced version of that? Um, yeah, I think it was um, a sort of weird, weird moment in time. Um, but, you know, I just sort of said to myself, what can you do? You know, you just have to kind of keep yourself busy, keep working. Um, so that's what I did. And lucky enough, I have my own studio, which was, you know, a real godsend. Because if, if I didn't, it would have changed things, I think, a lot for me. Because uh, lots of studios shut down and stuff like that. Well, just for that period. But... Sure. Yeah, I was able to just kind of lock myself away like usual and make make new music. Um, and I actually found it, I found it quite um, sort of at first quite liberating because I had been playing live prior to that for quite a long time to get people aware of Seeking Thrills and um, of some of my music. So there was a lot of like two years of prior to that of touring a lot. And I was kind of in this already a bit in the state of like, I, I want to get back in the studio. And so I'm not saying it was a it was obviously a great time because it was like, you know, the world changed. But um, I have to say, I, I I just kind of locked myself away and wrote the new kind of demos for this for this album. And yeah, I think just um, worked, you know. What is that like for you? And then not necessarily just the past couple of years, but, but that idea of locking yourself away and just being creative and working on music. Mm. How would you describe that? Is, is it a very, like I, I can imagine it being very hazy where there's no concept of time and all that. How do you, how would you describe it? I think there's, um, I think it's hard, isn't it? Because like, I don't want to burst the bubble <laughs> of like what it's like to create because it is, you know, 50% of it is really magical and mystical. And like, you know, yeah, you're, um, for me, um, it's very much about sounds. So in my studio, I have certain keyboards that I'm interested in because the sound uh, sparks kind of some kind of imagination mm. in me. And then I sort of write hooks or write melodies or write. So that part of it is really, it's amazing, you know, but then you have to turn that into a song, you know, and you have to uh, sort of um, believe in yourself, go through kind of a whole process of, um, yeah, of, of, I like to finish what I start. Some people don't really um, some artists, you know, quite quick to move on and then they'll go back. But I like to, when I start something, I, I like to finish it. Mm. So I always see something through. And if something doesn't work, 
I'll move on. But something always comes from the idea that you've done, you know, previous. So it's like I very much sort of work like that. And I like being alone for the beginning part of that because it is just my kind of head and thoughts. And um, uh, so for me, the isolation in that part's really, I like it. And you're sort of coming up with, you know, the kind of, oh, maybe, maybe this song should be like this. And I'll just put little droplets of thoughts and ideas down. Um, but it's not always like that, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a process like, like any sort of creative job. It's, there's, there's good times and there's, sure. there's the hard times. But I do find it interesting to kind of these two separate stages that you mentioned. So let's focus on the first one mm. first, especially with this album. Was there is there anything that you do? Do you listen to a lot of uh, certain music? Are you looking mm. for certain textures? Are you looking mm. for certain synth styles? How does that first kind of exploration go? Yeah, for this record, um, I was very much into um, sort of the '90s point in electronic pop music where um, dance music had obviously come and taken over the world. You know, it was suddenly becoming the sound of the underground to the mainstream. And I liked the way certain artists were taking elements of dance uh, sounds and using it within pop music. So uh, a big album for me was Ray of Light by, by Madonna. Um, particularly the producer William Orbit, I suddenly got completely obsessed with listening to William's back catalogue. And then through listening, I sort of, oh, how, how did he make that sound? Like that sort of very spacey, euphoric mm. kind of string sound and drones. And, and that very much kind of sparked ideas of like, I want to get this synth, I want to get that, and maybe I can write a song on there or... Or I, I particularly like the way William used acoustic guitar mm. in in a sort of dance production, uh, and I thought, oh, that's cool. I'm going to get a cool. I'm going to get a guitar. So through listening to certain artists, producers, I sort of gathered, um, took some inspiration from from the sound there, and then I got a synth called the Poly Six, which is a Korg mm. synth. It was 1982. And I particularly liked um, the sort of organy uh, keyboard sound within it. And I liked the filter on it. So a lot of the compositions um, for this new record were actually started with chord progressions on the poly six with me kind of filtering up and filtering down to kind of uh, build up tension and then build it down which is a dance obviously dance music technique with certain chords you know if you're going so um, I like that synth because you could do that and then I just ended up um, writing quite a lot of the um, bare sort of bones of some of the songs on that synth so yeah I very much like the first process the first bit is yeah, feeling inspired by certain sounds, go you know, and listening, um, watching films. I watched quite a lot of '90s films, like The Beach, mm. and obviously, the you know, I'm, I, I think in that first period, I'm just kind of very open to sort of new. Like, 
ideas and then I take that and go into the studio and see how I can create that with sound, you know. So it's very fun, that beginning bit. And then not all of it makes it, you know. Yeah. Most of it is left behind and you're like, God, what was I doing that day, you know. But um, some of it stays and, and leads on to the next part of the process. Yeah, I was going to say that experimentation, I suppose, is necessary to get where you eventually end That's up. the word I was looking for, experimentation, exactly. It's very much experimenting that first period, yeah. And then the difficult, uh, difficult side starts in a way where you have to mm. hone all that or, or kind of, yeah, hone all that stuff into these these three, four minute distilled uh, songs. So that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. When you're working on that, do you already have kind of certain words or, or themes in mind or, or is it first purely the music and, and making, as you mentioned, kind mm. of this, this danceable mm. uh, type track? Or do you already have kind of, like, I, I want mm. to evoke this emotion or I want to do this? I think it's a bit of all of it, really, okay. of what you've mentioned. Um, I mean, the for me well I'll talk about this new album because um for me it was different than writing the last record because I knew I was going to be working with Rostam mm. so that very much um kind of influenced how much I wanted to um finish or how much I wanted to kind of put into the demos because I wanted his um, involvement. Sure. So, um, and I was interested in what he would bring to the sound of those uh, compositions. So um, it was slightly different this time round, but I think, you know, I always, I'm very much aware that I write pop songs, mm -hmm. you know, you know, quite instant, Simultaneously, whether it's a whether this is going to be like a three-minute song or whether something else is going to be a bit more of a longer kind of composition, so it's like I very much think about the structure beforehand. Mm -hmm. So with all those ideas, I'm like, okay, well, I need to consolidate that into the structure: the verse, the chorus, the bridge, the verse, the chorus. The, the um, so yeah, so then. You think about, I think about the verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus. Um, you know, pe some people don't call it those, you know, they'll call it whatever. But I, I, I think I need some sort of structure in place to add all the ideas into it. And then uh, yeah, I, I think of it a bit methodically, like I've now got to think about... Um, the, the the vocal, you know, so think about the melody. Um, so quite you quite um, often it will just start with gobbledygook, you know, <laughs> and then you try and um, figure out what you're <laughs> what you're singing out of that. That's just the way I work, you know. Some some times I will have lyrics before. Um, but quite often it will start with just the melody and then the lyrics for me. But this is what was interesting about um, this new kind of way that I did this record was that Rostam very much wanted me to think about the lyrics, you know. Okay. Um, so when I went to LA with some of the demos, 
um, a lot of them, the lyrics weren't written because I wanted my experience in LA and the feelings I would get from being in a new environment, working in a new way. I wanted that to affect the lyrics. So um, that was my kind of um, job really when I got to LA, it was, you know, actually writing the vocal parts, sure. yeah. Very quickly uh, about Rostam, and I've, I've spoken to him before, he's a, he's a great producer, Aww. I think. And, but for, for you, you've, you've been doing everything by yourself, basically, for, for the last couple of years. So, yeah. so were you ready to relinquish some of that control, or, or was yeah. it also a challenge? I don't think it was re re relinquishing the control oh. at all. It was... Um, Rostam was very aware of my artistry, like, and how he had been following my career for quite a long time. And he was somewhat kind of um, fascinated by how I did things. You know, he wasn't like, that's wrong. You can't do it like that. No, we're scrapping that. He was very much the first week I got there, I realized how he was embracing also the way I would, I would work. So it was, it was, it was a collaborative experience, actually. It was really like, um, yeah, you know, learning off each other. And, um, I think that was why it kind of sounds like nothing else, really, the music. It's kind of come out sounding very, uh, unique. Um, but yeah, there were certain parts of, um, the kind of studio experience that I was, yeah, I was with someone else, you know, and, um, you're eating with someone else, you're be, you're, you're with someone else for like two, three months, you know, and it's, um, that side for me was, was the different side, you know, um, and I, I, I didn't know how I would get on with, Rostam, you know, it could have, I could have got there and it all, you know, just was like, just hated he hated me, I hated him. Um, you know, not hate, but you know, you just don't get on and you go, sure. right, thanks, we'll move on. But, um, thank, thank the higher power or whatever that it didn't happen like that. We just instantly got on and, um, I was just so, uh, I think in this state of mind of, wanting to um, learn of him because um, I was aware of how talented he is and, and all the work he had done previously. Um, I wanted to know how he did it, you know, <laughs> and how he wrote some of the songs. And um, so I, ca I came with a total sort of curiosity and um, an open mind, really. Um, I didn't. I didn't go into the experience thinking I want it done that way. I want that done like that. I want that. I, I just went completely unknowingly. You know, let's try it. Type vibe. It feels like a very liberating process. Even even mm. both the writing process and the recording process. You yeah. kind of kind of let it go a little bit. Mm. It's just the way it sounds to me. But yeah. Uh, you mentioned kind of meeting Rostam and having to get on with him and, and also kind of experience, experiencing LA and being out mm. of your comfort zone and that kind of uh, influencing the words that you write. So the album is called Euphoria. What, mm. what was your time in LA like? Euphoric. Euphoric, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I left my paper over. <laughs> um, but uh, what was the... Um, experience in LA? Well, well, why did it end up being called what it is? 
Um, well, there's a couple of sort of answers to that. Um, the first one was the first time that me and Rostam actually worked with each other. Um, I um, He got in contact with me over Instagram. He had heard a song I'd done with Muramasa mm. called Live Like We're Dancing. And um, Alex had sent Rostam the demo and Rostam very kindly got in contact over DM, just direct messaged me and was like, yo, I really love your voice. Um, I've heard the demo of Live Like We're Dancing and just wanted to just wanted to say how, how much I love it. And I was like, wow, it's such a lovely message to get. And I was a big fan of his and like, wow. Um, and then, so we had already kind of got in contact with each other uh, or made some kind of communication. And then I was in LA in 2019 before the pandemic playing some shows out there and I had some time to spare and I just messaged Rostam being like, I'm here can we please get to get get together and try and do something in the studio? And he was like, sure, yeah, come over. Um, and that was a new experience for me was being in these sessions, you know, doing sessions. I'm not really, prior to that, I hadn't really um, done the whole session thing. My label are very much just leave me to, to, to get on with things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, um, yeah, I'm, I, I haven't done the rounds in LA or whatever. Um, so I turn up and on that first day we wrote It's Euphoric and the word euphoric just sort of came to both me and Rostam as we were writing that song and it was such a sort of um, incredible th moment because we were like, oh my God, we've written a song in, in like literally half a day. <laughs> and I was like, um, oops, sorry. I was like, um, that hardly ever happens, you know, when, when, I, I can sometimes you some sometimes you can write a song in an hour sometimes it takes a month you know and it was just I don't know it was some kind of um magical moment really and so we already planted the seed for the album being called euphoric then um uh so then the pandemic hit um and then I found myself back in LA in 2020 with Rostam. Uh, 2021, sorry, not 2020. And yeah, it was, I think for me, growing up in London, I was always drawn to American music. You know, London was this city a bit like New York. We had always had the American import music. I mean, American music was a kind of bigger than actually British music, sure. you know. So I've always had a fascination with America. I've always wanted to go just because of the music. And so as I arrived into LA, I already had that like, oh my gosh, I'm here. You know, like this is where you know, the birds, right? You know, this is where bloody Jim Morrison got lost in the Laurel Canyon. And this is where, you know, hip hop, this is, you know, this is the birth of like, of, of, of Hollywood. And I did have that. I had that feeling, you know, and I think it, it, for me, that was totally euphoric. And, and um, London, as much as I'm, I'm a London girl and I, and what, you know, it's my home. I think um, 
I'd just been there for too long, you know, creating, writing in the, in the same space. I just wanted something completely different. And it was lucky that Rostam lives in LA. I think I would have gone, if Rostam lived in Mexico, I would have gone to Mexico, you know. So I was going where he, he essentially to him. So um, yeah, the whole experience was a risk and it was different and it was, um, but it was liberating, you know. And I think that euphoric feeling is liberation for me. So. That's, it felt very fitting when we came to the title of the record. We were just like, it's got to be called Euphoric. Yeah, it made sense. This kind of ties into something I read in the, um, in the bio. Now, I, I never know whether you approve any of those. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so, so, so uh, there's a line that said, uh, this record is a surrender to my issues, my past, my flaws, the healing process. Mm. So being kind of outside of your comfort zone, what was it? Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. How was it healing to, to yeah. make this record? Well, I think it was, you know, coming out of the pandemic, it was coming out of that weird time. It was a it was a very strange time for everyone. And I think it it was um also a time where we had um lots time, time, time. There's a lot of time to reflect on our lives and like sure. what we're going through. And um, and I think I just going to LA and having this experience was also like a, a bit of a um, reassessment of what I, you know, what I wanted to get out of life and um, sort of face a few truths and like, you know, go there and be quite vulnerable and I wanted to create quite an emotive record. I, I like emotional music. I like hearing singers that are vulnerable and they have a like, slight quiver in their throats and they're going there, you know. So I very much sort of, uh, yeah, went there with an aim to sort of face a, f a few of my issues through the music, you know, because um, I think... I think prior Seeking Thrills was like quite a, I was so influenced by the kind of 80s house scene. I was just trying to recreate the kind of elements of that and put it in pop music. It was not really um, so much to do with um, songwriting or la da da da. It was just like pure vibes, I think. Um, so this this was different i wanted to go and sit behind a piano write chords and have an emotional feeling and see what came out and i think surrendering to the experience to um vulnerability was was necessary to kind of go there um yeah to write the music that i wanted to write you know yeah, and what, what I find interesting, then, well, one of my favorites uh, on the record is So What? And, um, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the one. That's a very emotional song, yeah. And then what I like about it is it, it, it is that vulnerability, but mm. it's also resilience in, mm. in the sense that I'm always going to give it one more try. So, mm. and, and, and so, so can you t uh, talk a little bit about that song, how that came to be and what, what the pro mental process was? Too? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, that song um, I wrote with um, a very um, talented, incredible songwriter called Justin Parker, who wrote um, Lana Del Rey's video games. Okay. 
So Justin and I got together. Um, we'd kind of wanted, touching base, we'd wanted to do a couple of sessions, both fans of each other. And that was another sort of get in the studio, very small kind of studio at his. Um, and I think we were both in quite an emotional state. It was, um, you know, I, I think everyone just was in quite an odd place during the pandemic, you know, and people were re-evaluating um, certain things, you know, to do with their lives and, and, and also dealing with something that was extraordinary and kind of unbelievable. So sure. it was actually quite an interesting time to write music, I think or be an artist because mm. out, you know, often out of those kind of struggles and the reflection of society, you, you know, comes, sure. well, from previous histories, it could, you know, you get great art. Yeah. Um, so we met up and we were both kind of feeling like, wow, you know, what's, what's, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? And um, we were playing around with the chords and then I just sort of went, um, so what? And he was like, oh, I love that, you know, I love so what? Um, and it's the idea that you're, you know, you're trying, I guess. We're all trying our hardest to live life, do the things, make us happy or whatever happiness is. Um, but you know, you get knocked down, but then you get back up again and you know, it's like this sort of cycle of, of, um, of life. So I think we were both feeling a bit like knocked down, but you know, we'll, we'll get back up again and we'll give it one more go. And, um, we didn't want to write a sort of really depressing song. We wanted to write something that was, um, optimistic mm. when people heard it, even though it is, uh, very sort of, um, you know, minor chords, the melody and the message behind it is optimism. Sure. Um, and I think it also reflects um, my sort of idea of, um, of, of life, I think, you know, you always give it one more try, you know. I was always taught as a kid, you know, it doesn't matter, G, keep going, you know. You always give it one more go. And it's, it's, it's that kind of survivalist mentality, I think, which um, it's quite London, I guess, actually, maybe. I don't know. No, I think it's a very wise uh, lesson to learn to <laughs> not give up. Um, yeah, I think that's it, is, is to not give up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially in, a, in an industry where you kind of have to chase your dreams and then be confident because totally. otherwise it's, it's not going to work. I exactly. Think. Or, you know, just seeing, um, reading lyrics from other artists that are kind of, you know, vulnerable and optimistic. It influences the, the younger generations to, to, you know, everyone goes through stuff and everyone goes, you know, so it's like, just keep going, you know. Georgia, may I thank you for your time? Thank you very much. Thank you so much. <laughs>